Okay, be honest, how are we really doing? Really, all right. Because I, so I walked in here last night and, uh, and uh, the other three campuses are joining us right now and I'm sure the same thing is there. I'm really surprised you're here um, uh, because there's so many of you. And here's what I mean by that. Um, I, I thought to myself, they came because they just want to hear really good teaching and music. And then I sat down and I realized, no, you've had a four-day weekend and your kids and your relatives, they won't leave. And so you came to church. No judgment. Welcome. We're really glad you're here. But uh, uh, we, hey, we're going we're gonna to wrap up a series today and, I, and I'll, I'll kind of bring you up to date if, if you're in town visiting or something like that. Before I do that, and then we kick off our Christmas series next week, uh, if you have kids in our Summit Kids Ministry, again, at all four of our campuses, uh, they're going to be handed this on, on the way out today. It's a family advent calendar. A lot of us, you know, we're kind of new to the faith or, or we, you know, we did our time in, in a different kind of faith or whatever that is. And now we're coming in here and we're actually trying to follow Jesus and starting some new like traditions with our families and our kids. So, so this is an advent calendar. It starts on Friday and leads right up to Christmas morning of activities that you can do with your children or your grandchildren, things like that. You can do everything from bake cookies and make a pine cone bird feeder because Jesus loves that. I don't know. Anyway, and so, so you can do that. Now, here's the thing is they're gonna, you're going to go to kids ministry. And I, I got in trouble last week, but I'm Pastor Jim, so I'm going to do what I want. And uh, so they're going to tell you, sorry, just one per family. But let me tell you what Thanksgiving was like for my, at my house, all right? We had a five-year-old, a four-year-old, and two two-year-olds. They don't share. So if, if, you, if you go, listen, I need a second one because my kids hate each other, and they go, no, just one, you tell them, pop up, Pastor Jim said that they could have two, and then you take two, and if not, then you send them to me, okay? So everybody goes home with an advent calendar that wants one. Got that? All right. So that's the first uh, thing. The second thing is this. Um, we, we, last year, we started our, our own uh, uh, school. It meets here at the Lafayette campus, and this Thursday night, we're going to have an informational meeting. We're adding the fourth grade for the next school year. So if you've been kicking around, maybe looking at, you know, putting your child or, uh, uh, you know, I guess your child, neighbor kid, I don't care. But anyway, uh, and you, and you want to put them into this. Uh, we're going to have a, a parent meeting at the Lafayette campus. If, if you're out in the lobby, uh, if, you, if you go to a different campus, uh, out in the lobby, come in. It's just to the left of, of the information center out there from 6.30 to 7.30, and you can find out more about what that would, would mean, okay? Those are my two announcements, and now let's pray, okay? Let's pray, and then we'll jump into this series. So God, um, we, we come in here uh, today, uh, probably with a, a lot of us are just really tired. I mean, we had a good holiday, and we, and we saw friend, family and friends, but we're just tired, and then now here comes the Christmas, you know, tsunami of activity coming at us. And so God, just for the next, you know, 30 minutes or so, will you, will you just give us a breath? Uh, just to, before we get up out of this room and then go get in our cars and trucks and go face the, the madness, will you just give us a breath? And will you just remind us that, 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 that you're good and that you have a plan for our life and it's a good life? Will you just teach us, teach us something good about your son Jesus so that when we walk out of here, again, in just a little while, we take him with us and we realize that he's actually going with us uh, out of this place and into our real world, our real lives, our real jobs, our real schools, and our real families. Uh, just teach us about Jesus. It's in his name I pray. Amen. Hey, so again, if you haven't been here over the last uh, month, month and a half, for the last seven weeks, and we're going to wrap it up today, we've been in this series where we're asking this really important question, can people really change? Right? Can, can people really change? And, and what we're talking about is in, like in the most important parts of our life. And here's what I mean by that. I mean, there's, there's things in our life, and we're not talking about maybe our whole life, because some things are more important than other things, but there are parts of our life that are so important and the stakes are, are so high, we have to get it right. Right? Or we have to get it right this time. Because if we don't get it right this time, it's going to blow up like last time. And we just don't want that. And so, so we, 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 can people change the most important parts of our life? And, and again, here's kind of like where, where we've been. We, we look at our life. And again, we're not talking about our, our whole life. But there's parts of our life that they're not what we thought they were going to be. 
I mean, five years ago, or 10 years ago, or 20 years ago, or whatever that is, we had high hopes for our life, for our marriage, for our family, for our kids, for our parents, for our finances, for our health, for all the most important parts of our life. And then we look around today and go, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. And, and some of us would even look, again, maybe not all of our life, but parts of our life, we would look at that. And the word that we've been using, again, for the last seven, eight weeks is this, that part of my life is just stuck. It's just stuck there, right? And again, the metaphor we've been looking at is like, kind of like a bird in a cage. The bird just sits there and the cage is locked up and it's just going to sit there until, until it's dead, I guess, you know, or, or a prisoner that's locked in a jail, jail cell. And there was a time in their life where maybe they thought about life outside the window or life outside the bars, but every time they get their hopes up, they just get smacked down again. So really, we've put up a white flag on certain parts of our life and go, it's, it's not going to change. It's impossible. It's always going to be like that. And that's what we've been looking at because, you know, it's impossible and it will never change and it's just stuck. Doesn't sound anything like what Jesus said and taught and promised that he came to, to give us, right? Let's look at some of the things Jesus said. We've covered over the last month in here. Jesus looked at them. As much, uh, some guys were actually arguing with him going, hey, that's not going to happen. That's just impossible. I just, I don't, I don't understand how that could happen. Jesus looked at them and he, this is what he said to them. And he'd say to us when we're saying the same thing, he says, you know, with man... And what that means is on your own, like without Jesus, you're just on your own and willpower and you know, work it out. Uh, with man, on your own, it is impossible, but not with God. We're not talking about life on your own. Here's what Jesus says. For, let's just say these this last sentence together. One, two, three. For all things are possible with God. How many things? All, all things are possible. Jesus says, listen, yeah, we're, on your own, yeah, it's probably not going to change. But we're not talking about on your own anymore. He said things like this. He said, the thief... It comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And you know what, I, I'm, what that means, right? Sometimes you feel like there's a plot formed against your family. It's like somebody's out there scheming against your marriage, against your health, against your finances. It's like every time you try to take two steps forward, you get knocked three steps back. It's like there's a plot against you. And Jesus says there is, actually. But he has a different you know, plot for your life. Here's what Jesus says. He says, I came that they, and they as us, that you may have life and not just make it through the day and don't, don't die. I mean, that, that's a great goal, but more than that, I came that you may have life and have it abundantly, like to the full. He says, listen, I, I came to do something good in your life, what Jesus said. And then this is the verse we've been coming back to every week. A guy named Paul, who became a follower of Jesus later in his life, wrote a big chunk of the Bible. He says this. He says, it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. And that certainly includes, we've talked about this every week, this freedom is certainly, I'm not going to hell after I die, I'm going to heaven. It certainly includes that. But we're talking about this side of our funeral, those parts of our lives that are locked up and stuck. He says, I came to set those things free too. It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. And then here's our response. Stand, stand firm, therefore. Like, like plant your feet. Draw a line in the sand, all right? And from now on, it's gonna be different. And don't, do not submit. Don't go back to the old stuck life of slavery. So, so Jesus is saying, listen, Change can happen in your life, but it's not going to happen on your own. But I'm not talking about life on your own. Listen, it's, not, it's, it's more than hard work, and you just got to try harder and, and willpower. No, there's some stuff that, that we cannot do on our own. It's impossible. But, but with, with God, things that were impossible now become possible. And all through this series, we've been looking at this word that we come back to over and over and over. It's this word grace. Again, you know, if, if we could fix our lives and change our lives and fix our families and our marriages and all the most important parts, we, we would have already done that if we were able to do that. There's some things that we need God to step into before anything is going to change. And so we keep coming back to, to this, this grace. If you have your programs, all right, and this is week eight. If you've been here more than a couple of times in the last month, you should know you need a program, all right? So, so go get a program. 
See, you don't do it. You're just an evil crowd. But anyway, sorry, so, anyway, so we've been looking at, you're not, but we've been looking at this grace, okay? So before anything changes in our life, we have to start with grace. And it looks like this. We have to ask God to forgive us. We've been, we've been holding on to and believing things that are different than what God says is right and true. And, the, and the, the burden and the wage of that is just condemnation and guilt and shame. And that's too much to carry. So before anything changes in your life, ask God to forgive you for it. And let, let's move on, all right? And that same grace that forgives us also sets us, sets us free. My arm doesn't move very well. Somebody narked to my doctor. Thank you, lady. All right, whatever that is, all right? So I'm supposed to be in a sling, but I'm not. Uh, but anyway, so there's things that have been going on in our life so long. We feel like they, they own us. We're addicted to them and we're chained to them. That same grace can actually set us free. Now, here's what I mean by that, okay? Grace can open the door of the cage. It can, it can open the door of the, of, of the prison cell, all right? But that doesn't mean you're free. It just means freedom's now available. You can sit there on the perch for the rest of your life. You can sit there on the bunk and go, freedom's available. I'm gonna continue to live like a slave. And a lot of us, that, that's, that's our life. I know things could change. I'm just gonna sit here, all right? So there's this grace that, that forgives us, this grace that makes freedom available. And here's the other part of this grace. There's things that have been going on in our lives for so long and we know they're wrong. The idea of having a conversation with God is so embarrassing and shameful. Jesus says that, that grace can actually reconnect you back in an intimate relationship with God. Last week we talked about God actually wants to be our friend, which blows our minds. So there's this grace that forgives, this grace that sets us free, and then this grace that, that brings us close to God. The second level of grace that we've been talking about is this. Not only does he forgive us, all right, but, but he also, he comes inside of us and he does something. He changes who we are. We're gonna talk about that in a minute. And then he gives us the power to get up out of this room in a few minutes and do something different. And so the question, it's not so much, can I change what I do? That's where most of us just park. Can I, can I act different? Can I talk different? Can I cuss less or drink less or whatever more? Whatever, whatever, fill in the blank. Can I act differently? And I don't know that that's the question that we ought to be asking. I think we're going to change some questions today. You know, can, can a person change? How, how about this? Can something really change inside of a person? So that what comes out of a person is different. Because what Jesus said is, is this, whatever's going on inside of you, good or bad, that's what comes out. Whatever's going on in your marriage, it's because that's what's inside of you. What, whatever's going on with your kids or with your parents or your addictions, whatever that is, it's because there's something broken inside. So if something could be fixed inside of us and changed inside of us, would something better come out? I'm going I'm to date myself or age myself here a little bit. Do you all remember, because somebody made like a billion dollars off this idea. Do you remember about 20, 30 years ago, somebody had this idea that you put out these rubber bracelets with four letters on them, WWJD. Remember that? Raise your hand if you had one. Raise one. Raise them. Come on. Some of you are going, I still am wearing mine. Wow. All right. All right. But anyway, it's, it just stands for this. What would Jesus do? And the idea is that you put this bracelet on, and as you walk around your, your life, and you, and you come to a situation, the first thing would be this. What would Jesus do? Okay. So I began to ask myself that, and here's the answer I came up with. What, what would Jesus do? I don't know. Walk on water. That, I would do that. If I, if I could do what Jesus did do, I would walk on water. I was on swim team, didn't win a lot, but with this bracelet, I would have won. I'd be boom, 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 boom. You're going to be swimming. I'd be running, right? I'd walk on water. I'd cure cancer. I'd, I'd, I'd fix diseases. I'd feed the poor. I'd do all this. If I was Jesus, that's what I would, what would Jesus do? I would do that, okay? Here, here's a newsflash for you, right? I'm not Jesus, I'm, 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 uh, I'm just not, all right? And so, so I don't know if that's the right question. What would Jesus do? I don't know, I'm not Jesus. How, how about, I think this is a better question because it lands really well. How about this? What would Jesus do if he had my life? That's a different question, but it seems more relevant. What would Jesus do in my situation? All right, because I, I can't walk on water and cure cancer, all right? So what would Jesus do? If he was married to Robin, what would Jesus do if he had these kids? What would Jesus do if he had happened to him? What happened to us? 
when we were kids? What would Jesus do if he had this much income? What would Jesus do when he found out that his you know, dad had cancer? What, what, would, what would Jesus do in, in that, that circumstance? And here's why I say that's a, that's a better question because it comes back to this grace. There's this grace that forgives us and removes our condemnation of everything we've done so far, but that same grace, Jesus says, I'm gonna come into you, and if you're a Christian, this is what happened. You're, you were forgiven, you're not going to hell anymore, okay? But the other thing Jesus says, I will move inside of you, and I'll start doing something, forming something inside of you, so that you become the same kind of person that Jesus is, right? And this is this big phrase we've been coming back to the whole, this whole series, spiritual formation, it's just this, something spiritually is being formed new in me. When Christ moves inside of me, he begins to form himself and form me in, in, in all the important parts of my life so that I actually resemble Christ on the inside so that whatever circumstance that I find myself in, Christ comes out. Right? What, what would Jesus do? I don't know. What would Jim do if he was more like Christ? That's a better question. You say, well, I, I, that's never going to happen in my life because, I mean, maybe for you, Jim, or maybe for some of these other people, but listen, you don't know what happened to me. I, I'm kind of a slave to my past. I'm a slave to my parents. I'm a, you, know, you don't know what was happening to me, how I was hurt, and how, how he divorced me, and how she cheated on me, and all, all the things I've done. So I, I don't, I'm never going to be like Christ. You know what? On your own, you're right. On, on your own, nothing's going to change. On your own, you're a slave and a victim for the rest of your life. Get used to it. Right? On, on, on our own, but... Jesus, we're not talking about on, on our own. Because with God around us and forgiving us and leading us and then moving inside of us and changing who we are on the inside, I, I am not a victim anymore. And I'm not going to live like a slave anymore. Well, how can you say that? Because the same verse we've been looking at for the last eight weeks. Because for freedom, Christ has set me free from my past and from the memories and from all the things that I put up in my life to survive. Okay? I had to do that to get to this point. But it's just not going to own me anymore. It's for freedom, Christ has set me free. And so from now on, I'm going to take my stand. And I'm not going back to the old yoke of slavery. That sounds better than stuck in that cage for the rest of my life. Do you remember this last week? If you weren't here last week, get online, all right? And I had my friend James come up from Mexico City, and he taught, but get online if you missed it, because it's so, so, so good, all right? But here's what he taught. He says, we were actually, and I, you know, I guess I knew this somewhere in my teaching growing up, but I don't live my life with this reality in my life. James says this, we were actually created to live and walk in friendship with God, that Jesus is not some idea in a stained glass window or this theological concept floating around the universe, but he's actually a person, a, a spiritual power and presence that's not out there. He's right here. And I guess I knew that, but I just don't ever live my life, you know, living every day with my friend Jesus. I've always been afraid of Jesus. I've always been you know, nervous about the conversation I'm going to have when I have a Jesus. He has to let me in because I'm saved by grace, but I'm sure he's so disappointed in me. But the idea that my friend actually wants to walk through life with me, that just changes everything because the greatest change actually becomes possible when I realize I'm not on my own. Isn't that the worst feeling? To just go, it's just me. I can't depend on anybody. I have to figure this out on my own. It's no longer just me. It's, just not, it's no longer just me and my marriage or me and my kids or me and my dysfunctional parents or me and my cancer or me and my divorce or me and this big pile of bills because that's just overwhelming. But if Jesus really is my friend, not out there, but right here, that I can reach out and I can touch him and go, are you there, buddy? He says, I'm right here. I will not leave you. Then here's what I can walk into the house. And you can walk into the house later today. It's you and your spouse, and it's not going well, but it's you and your spouse and Jesus, because you and your spouse are not going to make it. Right? It's you and your divorce and Jesus. And the only way you're going to make it through that divorce is with Jesus. 
right? It's you and that big pile of diapers that just doesn't go away because you just keep feeding these children and it comes out, right? And it's just overwhelming, right? Ow. It's just overwhelming. It's you and the kids that are so needy and Jesus because you and the kids, you're about ready to tap out. Let's go even deeper. I've heard this story a lot. It's, you know, all my life, it's just been, I've been my dad. I, I don't have a dad. He left when I was a kid. What's that say about me? Well, it defines you. If it's just you and your absent father, but if it's you and your absent father and Jesus, you get a new life. If it's just you and your drunk, addicted mom, it's not going to work out well. But if it's you and your addicted mom and Jesus, all things are possible. You understand how that makes a difference? And how your life can actually change when you realize you're not alone, but he's right here. He's not out there. He's not in a Disney castle floating in the sky. That's, I, I was raised with the idea. My friend Jesus is right here going, let's go home together. Let's leave the bar together. Let's go talk to somebody together. And that makes a difference. Now, that's all review, all right? So we come to the, the last part of the series today. I'm going to be honest with you, okay? I don't have anything new to tell you. It's been a long week, I'm just telling you, all right, all right. So I don't have anything new to teach you because everything that we're going to cover today, we've already covered in the last seven weeks in here. What we're going to talk about, though, is can, can people really change when it comes to, to your job or your career? And let's, let me just talk about that for a minute. When I say job or career, here's, here's what I mean is tomorrow on Monday, you're going to get up out of bed, maybe, all right, right? And then you're going to get in your car, get, you know, go whatever, and you're going to go to this place and, and you're going to do what you did last week, and you're going to do next week. You have this job, and you're going to do whatever you do, and then you're gonna, they're going to pay you some money, and then you're going to go home, and then you're going to put some of it towards bills, and some of it towards food, to a house payment, all that kind of stuff. That's, that's, your, that's your job. Let me talk to students real quick, all right? If you're a student in school, you know, middle school, high school, college, whatever, I would say your job right now is that's school. So when I talk about your job, I'm talking about, about, about school. Now, here's, here's, I'm not going to teach you anything new. What I want to do today, though, that's new will be in the area of application. Because what I have found is that we have, there's no other area of our life that we are better able to disconnect what we say we believe is true about God and Christ living inside of us. The, the place we disconnect that the most is our job and school. It's like, this is this, and that's totally unconnected to that. And we, we say things like this all the time. Well, okay, church is church, and Jesus is Jesus, but business is business. School is school. Sports are sports, all right? And, and, you, and I've heard this. I've used this before, all right? Uh, I, I don't use it very often, but I hear it a lot. You're, like, you're sitting in here, and you're, and you're thinking, well, that, that's probably true. That's probably true. But, ready? Out in the real world, uh, that just irks me, okay? All right, because here, here's what we've learned from, from, from Jesus, all right? He doesn't allow us to say that. He doesn't say there's a church world and a Jesus world and a spiritual world, and then there's a school world and a work world. There's a real world over there. and there's No, no, Jesus just says this. There's just one world. You have one life, and you live it out in your real world. And if Jesus doesn't work out there in the real world, then Jesus doesn't work at all. Let's close up shop, right? There's just one world. And you lived your whole life this past week, and tomorrow you're going to get out of bed, and you're going to go live your life in the real world. And that, that, that word world is the same world that Jesus referred to over and over. Probably the most, two, two most famous sentences that ever come out of his mouth. He, the, he's talking about your world. Look at this. For God so loved the what? It's not, he's not talking about the planet. He loves the trees and the oceans and whales. I'm sure he does. That's not what he's talking about. He loves the planet. Good, he made it. All right, so for God so loved, what, what do I mean? The place that you spent your whole life last week doing, and you're gonna get out of bed tomorrow and you're gonna go do it again. That's your world. You're gonna go to school, you're gonna go to work, you're gonna raise kids, you're gonna do a whole bunch of stuff, all right? And it's, he loves that. 
He doesn't, it's not talking about a hypothetical, you know, ethereal place floating out in a spiritual realm. No, no, no. You're going to get out of bed and get in your car and drive to it tomorrow. Your world, all right? And God so loved the world that he gave his only son that who, whoever, what do you mean whoever? Whoever lives in the world, by show of hands, go. That's everybody, okay? Someone going, I don't, I don't know. All right, whatever, all right? So God so loved what you do all week long, that he gave his only son, that whoever lives in the what you do all week long, who believes in him, should not perish. There's no condemnation because of grace, but have eternal life. And what is eternal life? That you can know Christ is your friend. He's right here. That's eternal life, right? For God did not send his son into the world, your world, your life, to condemn you in your world, right? But in order that the world, all the parts of your life, might be saved through, through, through Jesus. And every, every reference to world or whoever you know, that, that Jesus makes there, let me tell you who he's talking about. Everybody who lives in the real nine to five, I go to work, I go to school, I get a paycheck, I pay some bills, I, I'm working for the weekend to take a breath. It's the same world that you lived in last week and tomorrow you're gonna get up and you're gonna go back to it. My question is this, if Jesus really is being formed inside of us, which is what Grace says is actually true, then what difference does Jesus make when we get up tomorrow morning and go to the real world? Does he make any difference at all? Is he being formed, is Christ is being formed inside of us, when you go to school, when you go to Legacy High School, wherever you go, or when you go off to you know, IBM or wherever you work, you know, and, and you go there tomorrow, what difference does it make that Christ is being formed in you? And what, how does it change the vision for your career or ninth grade? How does it change it? And depending on how you answer that question, then it leads to this. The vision you have for that part of your life, it changes the intent, how you approach the choices you make and the decisions you make. Why? That Christ is being formed inside of me. I go to work different and I do things different at school now that, that, that Christ is being formed inside of me. So the question you know, we started with is, can people really change when it comes to their careers? Can people really change when it comes to going to school every day? And you know what? I don't know that that's the right question. Can people change their jobs? I, I don't know. Google it. There's a bunch of jobs. Find one, all right? But how, how, here's a better question. How does Jesus in you change how you go to work and school? What how does Jesus in you? What do you mean? Grace. I'm talking about grace. He's forgiven me. He's set me free. He's brought me close to God. He's now fixing and healing up the most broken parts of my, of my soul, all right? And he's given me the change, uh, the, the strength to go to change what needs to be changed. How does Jesus, all that in you, how, how does that change your vision and, and, and your intent and, and how you do and how you go to work and, and school, your real world. The question can't be, can Jesus get me a better job? Can Jesus help my grades? I, I don't know, S study more, I, I, right, right? But see, just like everything else, your job and your career and what goes on in your high school, your middle school, whatever, it's just an overflow of whatever's going on inside of you, right or wrong. Can Jesus change your school? I don't know. Can Jesus change your job? I don't know. How about this, can Jesus change you? which will change how you see your job and how you go to school tomorrow and leverage whatever career you currently have or will have in the future. Because here's an aha moment or kind of a newsflash, all right? Careers change all the time, right? I would say, let me talk to people over 30. It probably applies for over 20, but I'm over 50, so just go with it, all right? So most of us are not doing what we thought we were gonna do for a job. Is that true? Most of us we, who went to college, we're not doing anything having to do with that degree at all. Some of us are doing jobs now that weren't invented when we got out of college. And some of us next year are gonna be doing things that we don't even know exist yet. Careers change. You know what the only thing that's constant in your career? You. 
You're the, you're the one constant. So the question is this, can Jesus form something new and better in you that doesn't change no matter what or where your career path takes you? I'm gonna make a strong statement here and I'm gonna, I'm gonna speak for Jesus. And so uh, I, I think I'm right, but if you go, I, I, I don't believe that, that's okay. But I, I think I'm right. Okay, but here's what I think Jesus thinks. Okay, you, again, you don't have to believe this. This isn't in the Bible. It's just consistent with everything else. All right, see what you think about this. I believe that Jesus is more concerned about who you are in whatever job you have. I think he's more concerned about that than whatever job you have. Does that make sense? I think he's more concerned about who you are in, in, in whatever job you are. I think he's more concerned about that you know, then the job you have. And last night I said this, I mean, unless you're like a drug dealer or a prostitute, you know, or a, you know, a hired killer, right? But, but here's a, he's really concerned about that because the only reason you would do that is because something's broken inside that drove you to feel like that's what I have to do with my life. It's just an overflow. So I'm not even throwing stones at, at, at anybody. It's just, listen, I think God cares more about who you are than your salary and what you do for a living because that will change. So let me give you a couple of, Examples of that, right? So probably the most successful, and I probably should have called him and say, hey, I'm gonna use your name. Uh, I'm, I, it's too late now. All right, so um, probably the most successful business person I know. I know. I know a lot of business people. I've been in ministry for like 30 some years ago, and I know some famous people. I know some musicians. I know some politicians and stuff like that. And when I say I know them, I know who they are. But when I talk about like, I know this, this person who's very successful in business, I mean this. Um, if I call him, my name is on his phone. We're tight. All right. I mean, I mean, if I call some people, they'd go like, unknown. Nope. All right, right. But so, so let me tell you, he's probably the most successful business person I know. Let me tell you what he does. He lives back in Louisville, Kentucky. He's retired now. All right. But, but, but when I knew him, um, he ran, um, okay, so I'm trying to be as vague as I can be here. All right. So he ran a company in Kentucky that sells fried chicken. <laughs> Do the math. All right. Now, he ran, when I say he ran it, I mean, he, he was in charge of, all of, the, all of that for the world. They had their pizza division and then they had their chicken division and their taco division and on and on. He was in charge of all the things having to do with, with, with uh, chicken, all right, for, for the world. He, he, he ran it. All right, he ran it. I think he met the colonel. I'm not sure, all right? But anyway, so I mean, he, he <laughs> there's the clue. All right, so anyway, so... Um, he was in charge of it, right? And he's very, very successful. Here's the thing, right? So we, you know, we went to the same church together. He and his wife were youth sponsors in, in, my, in my youth group. Our kids grew up together. We went on spring break together. I ate at his house. He ate at my house. His house was much better, but that's, that's all right, right? But anyway, but here's, if, if, if you sat down with Greg, oh, there he is. All right, so if you sat down with, with my friend Greg and spent 30 minutes with him and then you came back and I said, what do you think? You know what you wouldn't say? You would not say, the dude loves chicken, in all my years with hanging out with Greg, you know what? He hasn't brought up chicken or mashed potatoes or gravy one time. He hasn't told me why their chicken's better than somebody else's chicken, all right? That Popeye guy, whatever that is. He's never, he's, never, he's never brought that up one time. Here's what you would come back. I bet if you spent 30 minutes with my friend Greg, who ran the largest chicken company in the universe, all right, right? You, you would come back and go, this, this is what you would say. You go, that dude loves Jesus. I, I promise that, that would be the, one of the first sentences out of your mouth, followed by he really loves his wife and his family. He really loves his church. He, this guy is a great leader. He's not just a leader. He's a leader of leaders. He talks about these young men and women in, 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 in his corporation, and he's already seen potential in them. They don't even see it in themselves, but he has this ability to call out the potential in, in those young leaders and actually make them better than they actually think is possible for their life. This guy has a vision for his life. Here's what I'm talking about. He sells chicken. What's that? 
That's his job. That's his occupation. That's not what he does, though. All right? What, what does he do? He loves Jesus, and he loves people. All right? And that's called, I'm going to introduce you to a couple words. It's not his job. It's his vocation. And vocation is just a churchy word for it's his mission in life. Here's another churchy word we hear all the time. It's his calling. And anytime you hear the word calling, here's all the Bible means by that. Wherever you are and whatever God points you to, leverage your whole life for God in that situation. All right? No matter what you do. All right? And you, now here's what some of us are doing. Well, yeah, he probably has an easy life. I mean, he probably makes millions of dollars and flies around on jets all over the world. You're right. He, he gets to do all that. But what we do is we take people like that and put them in a different category. And Well, I'm not like that. Okay, let's, let's go to a guy that James introduced us to last week. His name's Brother Lawrence. He's a monk. And, and he, he, was, he, li- he worked in a monastery several hundred years ago. And he didn't work like in the front office. He wasn't up there preaching and teaching and stuff like that. He worked in the kitchen. He wasn't even in the front part of the kitchen. He was in the back part of the kitchen cleaning up after the front part of the kitchen that, that served all the other people's stuff to eat. He called himself the Lord of Pots and Pans. It's a great name tag, all right? Lord of Pots and Pans. And he would sit in the back, and here's his whole life every day for years and decades. He would fry eggs, and then he would scrape the egg out of the pan, then he would wash the pan, and then he would fry eggs again. And then he would scrape it. And if anything fell on the ground, or the people that get done eating, and they just left their stuff on the ground, they left and say thank you. He would go in and he would sweep the floors. The thing about Brother Lawrence is this. Nobody could explain why he had so much joy. That's a crappy job. Can I just say it? I'm the egg scraper for people that don't say thank you. I mean, that's, that's just not a really appreciative job, right? How does he have so much joy? Here's the answer. He scraped eggs and fried eggs and washed pans and swept floors after people who didn't even say thank you. He did it all with Jesus right here. Because day after day after day, just washing dishes. Some of us know this. Washing dishes and nobody telling us thank you. It just I'm ready to tap out. But when you wash dishes with Jesus and fry eggs for people that don't say thank you for year after year and decade after decade, how can you have joy? And here's the thing. Is, after he died, his brothers went back and they kind of went into his room, went through his stuff because that's what, that's what we do. All right? But anyway, they went through his stuff and they found his journals about what it was like to actually live life with Jesus in the back of the kitchen unnoticed. And they took all that and they put it into the form of this little bitty book. And four years ago, I started reading this book and it started spiritual formation in me like no other. Here's the book. They put it in, this is it. The Practice of the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence. You can get it on Amazon right now. It's $3. It's Black Friday. It's on sale, all right? So The Practice of the Presence of God. And it's only about this big. And it's about that thick. You can read it. It took me two weeks, but you can probably read it today, all right? But, and this whole thing is about, this is what it looks like. So what, now, what did Brother Lawrence do? He washed dishes and fried eggs. That's his occupation. It's his job. But, but what did he really do? He loves Jesus, and he loves seeing people believe that God doesn't hate them. He actually, he actually loved telling people it's possible that Jesus wants, loves them and wants to be their friend and walk through every, every minute of life together. That's not his job. That's his vocation. What's yours? I didn't ask what your job was. What's your mission? What's your purpose? What's the calling of your life? Whether you fry eggs, whether you fry french fries in the, in the, in the, in the franchise or you run the, the whole corporation, what's your mission? Now, we're gonna get out here on time. 
Almost. Okay, so, so when I, this past summer when Ben and I sat down to outline this whole series, I'm going to tell you, I, I already had this one pretty much written in my head. This is what, this is what the message was going to be today, and we're not going to do this, but I'm going to tell you parts of it because it was pretty good. All right, so, so here's what the sermon was going to be about today. I was going to talk about if you're in business, and it doesn't matter what business you're in, if you're in a high-rise downtown Denver or your home computer or, you know, whether you, you, you work at school or a, a, a bank, it doesn't matter, all right, right? There are certain principles that need to be in place if Christ is being formed in, inside of you, all right? And, and no matter what you do, you're right, Again, all this needs to be in place. You need to be an honest person. Why? Because Christ was an honest person. And Christ in you, whatever you do, you should do it honestly. And you should do it with truth and not deceive people. I know business is business, but Christ is being formed in you. And so you do it different because you're going to be a truthful person. And you're not going to be mean and just arrogant and just you know, take advantage of people. You're going to have compassion on people. That doesn't mean you give everybody a free pass and you're fair, all right? But you also seek justice. Right? Why? Because Christ is being formed in you. And I have some great verses like, like this verse. Right? Paul writes this. He says, whatever you do, whether you're the CEO of a billion-dollar company or you fry french fries in the bottom of the chain of the, of the billion-dollar company, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Whatever you do, do it so it reflects Christ is being formed in me. You got to hear this, all right, people. I don't care what your job is. If you have Christ being formed in you, just because you put a little fish on your business card, that doesn't mean anything except you've called yourself out. So you better do it well. All right, because everybody's going, there's a cross on his business card. He must be honest, and then you rip people off. And that's why the world hates us. So why don't we just actually, I don't know, do it for the glory of God, all right? Here's one, I was gonna, I was gonna put this in, and some people actually told me even last night, you, you, I don't know if you should say that or not, but I'm going to, because it's good, all right? I found this verse. It's gonna make somebody mad. Email Michael Kane. okay? So, all right, so here's a verse in 2 Thessalonians. Take a, you don't believe it's there, all right? But some of you are gonna go, I'm looking that one up, all right? How about this? If you can work, but are not willing to work, you don't get to eat. Now, let me, let me just talk about this really, really quick, all right? If you, what's the right word? If you can. There's some of us that can't. Some of us got hurt. Some of us went off and defended our country. Some of us have some type of disability and our bodies are broken. Some of us got old, whatever that is, and we just can't do that anymore. I'm not talking about you, okay? If you can work, but you just don't want to, all right? Then Paul, the Bible says, then you don't get to eat. Now listen to this, all right? Here we go, all right? So here's what, I had a whole section in my talk about this that I'm not gonna put in, all right? It goes like this, all right? Welfare and benevolence were meant to be gifts from God to bridge a temporary situation to get you to the other side. Temporary. They were not meant to be a way of life. You gotta get that, okay? Now, please hear this, all right? If you're on food stamps or, or welfare or whatever that is, there are no stones thrown here. Raised on government cheese. Ah, great memory, all right, right? I, I'm telling you, it's not meant to be a way of life. So there is no judgment here. There is no condemnation here. But please hear this. According to the Bible, that's a gift from God. Our families, our church, and our government were meant to bridge the gap to the other side. But we have to get to the other side, all right? So we need to take care, better care of each other. Now, I'm not going to talk about that. <laughs> I just did. Uh that's not a political statement, that's biblical, right? So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make some assumptions, and then we're going to wrap this series up. I'm going to make some assumptions, and that's dangerous. And then I'm going to make an application, and you can apply it to career or whatever you want, all right? But here's what, if you have your paper, get it out, okay? And I'm, I'm going to make some assumptions that if you believe this, then this is, has to apply, okay? So follow me if you can, even if you don't have a paper, all right? Let's talk about grace, first of all, right? I'm gonna assume that if you really believe that there is a God that loves you, and some of us aren't there yet, but if you do believe that there's a God that loves you so much that he sent his one and only son, Jesus, 
right, to, to pay for our sins and sacrifices so that there's no more condemnation, all right? And he's taken away our guilt for all of our mistakes. If you believe that, if you believe in grace, all right, and how about this? And if you believe that Jesus actually can set a person free, whether they choose to be free or not, he can break the chains that have held us to our past, and we don't have to be a victim or a slave to, to what's happened to us in, in, in our past. If you believe that, if you believe in that part of grace, and if you believe that, that no matter what you've done or, or how many times you've done it, that grace actually has, has the ability, Jesus can restore you into friendship with God. If you believe that, I'm gonna make some assumptions. But let's don't stop there because there's more, right? Here's the other part of grace. If you really believe that Jesus has not just saved you and gotten you out of hell, but actually now lives inside of you and is doing something new, forming and creating and healing something new inside of you and changing you, and that's grace. And if you really believe that he can deliver you and he can sustain you and he can give you all the grace and strength to do whatever needs to be done when you get up out of this room in a few minutes to make changes in your life, if, if you believe any of that, I'm gonna make an assumption. If any of that's true on any level, then it has to change your vision, all right? And here's the thing is, you have to see things differently. If we're gonna claim all this stuff about grace and what he's done for us and in us, then you have to look at your, at your, at your job or your school or your career or any part of your life and go, what needs to change or be different when it comes to what's going on at, in the way that I go to school on Monday or the way I go to work on, on Monday, all right? What I, what I do there, what I allow to happen there, what I cause to happen, what I do to other people there. Here's what a lot of us do. How, what I turn a blind eye to and go, that's just the way it is. It's none of my business. But if we, if we believe in grace and then we're looking at our jobs and what goes on at school, day after day and week after week, all right? Here's my, here's my conclusion, all right? You don't need me today. You don't need a sermon. You don't need another Bible verse. You don't need another lecture from somebody like me standing on a stage saying you need to change something in your life. And here's why I know that. Because if you really have been forgiven and set free and, and, and you believe that God is, is your friend and he doesn't hate you and he lives inside of you and he's changing things and you're seeing things different and he's giving you the strength to actually do something different, you know what? You don't need me because Jesus has been whispering in your ear for a long time, that has to change. You knew that before you came to church today. You, you knew that before you got out of bed. You knew that last week. And you can do what you always did and go, you know what, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna ignore it. But if you really are saying, I hold on to grace and I believe all that's true about what Jesus has done for me and in me, you just, it's just like every other area of your life. If that's true and I see what's going on in my life, it comes down to this word, intent. Intent, what am I gonna do different? if I really believe that Jesus stuff is actually true, based on what you claim to believe to be true about Jesus, what he says is true and what, he's, what he says is available to you, grace and strength and forgiveness, you take that and you lay it beside what's currently going on at your school and at your work and in your marriage and in your finances and your addictions and your sexuality and your real everyday life, here's the question, what are you gonna do? It's your choice. Stand firm, therefore. He's not gonna do that for you, all right? What do you wanna do from now on? I look at it this way, okay? I've been, I've been living my life and I've gone along and been doing my marriage the way that I thought marriage was supposed to be doing. I've been doing money the way it's, all right? I've been doing this, all these things in my life. And then I, I bumped into Jesus. He, like if I'm driving along in my life, he got in, I went, you drive, you know, or you ride with me, whatever that is. And now he's right up close. And then I come to this fork in the road. I believe intention is a fork in the road. I've been living my life and now I say that I'm saved by grace. And I'm gonna go left or I'm gonna go right. I'm gonna go left and I'm gonna do what I've always done before, even though I claim to believe in Jesus, or am I gonna go right? I say I believe in Jesus and good intentions don't change anything until I turn right. So I draw a line in the sand and go, I'm going right. Now, 
That's my intention. Strategy is where the rubber meets the road. What am I going to do different now from now on? What am I going to do? Ready? What am I going to do now that I have decided to follow Jesus? Not just get saved. Follow him. See, I, listen, I know this is like, this isn't a very cheery Thanksgiving. We'll end better, all right? But listen, it's, it's for freedom that Jesus set us free. And now that you are free, here's what Jesus says. Whatever you do and wherever you are, whether you're married or single, whether you're married and single again, whether you're single and want to be married or whatever that is, whoever your parents are, you might have the best parents ever. You might have the most dysfunctional parents ever. You might even know who your parents are. No matter what, no matter how many dollars you have coming in and dollars going out, no matter what is going on with your kids, no matter what's going on with your body, no matter you know, what you're doing with somebody else's body, no matter what you've done right or wrong in the past, now that you have grace in your life and your intent is to follow Jesus, the question is, whatever you do and wherever you are, here's the rubber meets the road. Do it in a way that reflects Christ is being formed in me. That's how I do marriage. That's how I do sexuality. That's how I do money. That's how I do parenting. So that whatever comes out of me, it's Christ. What would Jesus do? I don't know. But if Christ is being formed in me, this is what I'm going to do. Because he's changing me. Here's my question. We're almost done. Is that happening in your current real life? Not someday and down the road and when I get out of high school, it's going to be different in college. It's not. Is that happening in your current life? Because the last thing Jesus said was, listen, go everywhere you go in the world. And whatever I've done inside of you, I want you to go tell people and let, let him out. He wasn't talking about church world. He wasn't talking about becoming a missionary in Mexico. or something. Maybe, I don't know. But the Great Commission, go to the whole world and let me out, is a mandate for every Christian. It's not a calling for pastors and missionaries. It's for bankers and people that work at Thorntons and, 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 and gas stations and, and companies and fry chicken and run chicken companies and flip hamburgers. It's for all of us. It's for all of us who belong to the kingdom of God. If Christ is being formed in you, what difference is that going to make tomorrow at work? All right, here's, um, again, I'm three minutes over, but listen, I'm, I'm going to tell you what really just makes me, sets me off, all right? I hear this all the time, all right? You, 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 I'll talk to you, so, so like, you know, what, what's your job and stuff like that, or what, you know, how's Christ being formed in you? Here's what I get all the time. I, I don't know, I just don't, I don't feel led. <clears throat> Please don't say that to me anymore. I don't, I don't feel led. You know, I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm just waiting for the Lord to lead me or, or give me a sign. Hey, here, it's not coming, Right? Here's why I can say that. You don't need a voice. You don't need a light out of heaven. You don't need a divine hand to write on the wall and go, this is what you should do at work tomorrow, right? You don't need a voice. You know why? Because we already have a verse. We have a whole Bible full of things going. You don't know what you do? You don't have to wait for a sign. Go home and love your wife. I'm waiting for a sign. I don't feel led to go home and love my wife. You know why? You are listening to the wrong spirit. Because the spirit says go home and love your wife and go to work tomorrow and be honest and go to school tomorrow and treat people with respect and don't cheat. And let Christ come out of you. So I'm done. So listen, I started this whole series with this saying. I'm not saying that the only reason your life hasn't changed is because you don't want it to. I'm not saying the reason you have a bad marriage is because you don't want a good one. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying the reason that you can't get sober is because you don't really want to be sober. I am not saying that. But, big but, but until you want it to change, it's just not going to. That's just true. Until you want it to change, it's just not going to change. So the question is, it's not, I can't think of anything in my life that needs to change. Or uh, I don't know what to do different. Or I don't know if Jesus will show up for me. The question I'm going to leave you with this is that do you want that part of your life to change? And most of us would go, no. I don't want to change that part of my life. I like it. And I know it's very, very different. And it ruined my last marriage. And it ruined the rest of my son. I'm just, I'm just not going to change. 
that part of my life. My everyday, nine to five, I make this much money, I have this family, I'm married to her, I'm divorced from him, whatever that is, I live my life in this body, it's my life. Am I willing to do whatever I need to do so that whatever comes out of that kind of looks like Christ? And a lot of us go, no. So here's how I want to wrap up, all right? It's Thanksgiving week. So before we move on to Christmas, all right, here's what I want to do, all right? Again, get your papers out if you want. Here's the words we've been looking at, okay? I, here's what I think. You know, I, don't, I think that we've just, we, we, we learn something or God does something in our life, and then, you know what, there's so much more to do, we just go, thanks, and then we move on. I want to call a timeout really real quick, and we're going to sing one song and get out of here, okay? Grace. There's this grace that forgives. There's this grace that sets us free. There's this grace that brings us close to God. There's this grace that changes who we are and heals up what's broken inside of us. And there's this grace that gives us this strength. And because of that, we now have a vision that's different in our life. We actually believe that what, what God says is right, true, and good could be possible for people like us. If we will draw a line in the sand, a thin red line or whatever, that goes from now on, I'm going to make different choices in my life. And then the rubber meets the road. And when I get up out of this room, things are going to be different. Here's what I want to do to wrap this up, okay? Here's all the things we've studied over the last seven, eight weeks, all right? All, all these things. I want you to look at that. And some of you weren't here for some of it, but something's going to jump out at you. And one of them's going to really going to stick. Family relationships or, you know, what's going on with my body and my habits, my addictions, my sexuality. The way I see people in the world, the way I think, you know, the, the financial part of my life. Spiritually, I've been religious all my life. It's just been guilt and shame. I actually think... How awesome would it be if I actually thought God liked me and wanted to be my friend? And then career. I want to take this occupation that's just sucking the life out of my bones every day and actually turn it into something better. Okay, here's what I want you to do, okay? We're always talking about God changed me, God changed me, God changed me. Let's be honest. You look at some of those parts of your life and five years ago or five months ago or maybe five weeks, I don't know what it is for you, okay? You looked at one of those and goes, that will never change. It is always gonna be like that. And then, and then you bumped into Jesus somehow. I don't know how it was. Maybe somebody brought, brought you here, brought you here, maybe at another church or maybe you know, in a conversation and you started to actually experience some, some grace that no matter how broken and jacked up that part of your life is, that God's not gonna hold it against you. He's willing to forgive everything and all the things that, you know, that you've inherited and were thrown on you and landed on you from your past, God can actually set you free. That's that, that grace. You actually started experiencing that. And then he began to heal some stuff up in your, in your life. And now you feel like you're a stronger man or woman. You can actually go out there and do some things differently. You have a vision for your life. You've made some choices in your life and you're working your plan. I mean, you're, you're, you're no whatever. November, you screwed up three times, but it's better than October. That's the confession, all right? That's, that's what I'm saying there. So here's what I want you to do right now. I just want you to look at that. And we're going to sing this song in just a minute. And during that, that song, during this prayer time, here's what I want you to do. I want you to look at that and go, you know, God, it's, this sounds like a country song. It's not what it needs to be, but it's better than it used to be. Is that anybody's life in here? It's not perfect. It's still rough around the edges. But some of us would go, you know, without grace, I wouldn't even be alive. Without grace, I, I would be divorced. Without, without grace, I wouldn't have survived my divorce. Which one lands for you? Because here's what I want you to do. Is in these next few minutes, would you just, before you go out there and hit the Christmas craziness, would you just take a breath and tell him thank you for what he's done so far? This is the last time we did that. Because usually go, hey, thank you for what you've done. Now, here's the other things I need you to do, all right? Just don't ask, just go, hey, thank you. So that's the first thing I want to do. Here's the second thing I want you to do. You know somebody in your life, and you're thinking about them right now, and they're going, after Thanksgiving, the person I'm thinking about in my family, there's no coming back. Or I know I have a friend that's so addicted. I have a person that's the most mean, racist person. I have a friend that's addicted to all kinds of the worst stuff ever. Financially, my daughter, my son, whatever that. Spiritually, they're so mad at God, they would never darken the door of this place. And on and on and on, right? 
again, five years ago, you would have said the roof will fall in and hell will freeze over before they ever come to church with me. And they're right there. Or maybe they'll be here next week. Because grace can do amazing, impossible things. So ask God to make some changes in you so that you can put your arm around somebody because they don't know Jesus is here, but you are. And maybe you can put your arm around them and go, hey, just, just come and see. So I, I'm done. Let's stand up. And then we, Christmas next, next week. We're going to say Christmas. Talk about Mary and Jesus and camels. It'll be awesome. All right. So, <laughs> so let me pray. And then, uh, uh, then, uh, then we'll worship. God, um, so there's a lot of emotion, a lot of thoughts going on right now. So here's what we're just going to go. Hey, God, thank you. Thank you for what you've done already. Thank you for the grace. Thank you that there's a light at the end of the tunnel instead of just more tunnel. Thank you that we have a little bit of hope that we didn't used to have. There's so much more that needs to be done, and we'll get to that. Jesus said, tomorrow we'll worry about itself. But today, God, we're just going to give you thanks for what you've already done in my life and in somebody's life that I really care about. And if you've been this faithful so far, then we can actually have faith and believe that you're going to be there for us tomorrow and the next day and the next day, and that you are not done with us. The change is really possible because Christ in us makes everything new and different. So we give you thanks, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen.